So, Sarah, we th- this is going to be a real bantery episode, everybody, because our topic— Because <laughs> I've never read a book. <laughs> I, clearly, I've never also read a book. I have several things on my list to discuss, but here's the deal. Today's topic is one-night stands. I'm just going to say that. And we've been like, we've never done a one-night stand episode, and then we like go to Google and Google ourselves like people do. Because it feels like we have done multiples. And why? And so here's the thing. I did look back. We've never done an episode that is just only one night stands. We had we did do an episode at the end of last year that was like kind of fast incendiary burns, like books that like start mm-hmm. with a bang, but they weren't all one night stand books. But there was some one night stand discussion. So you guys are just gonna have to listen to us talk about it again. I'm sorry. It's a good topic. These are fun books, and you're just gonna put up with us. Welcome, everyone, to Fate of Mates. This podcast is free, and you are forced to listen to us. Yes. (laughs) Once you start, you can't stop everybody. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels, and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. Before we start talking about One Night Stands, can we talk about the rom-com brackets? Do you guys Wait, you, what? Okay, no, what? so bring me up to speed. I am about to bring you up to speed. This is not us playing a game. I really don't know. Yeah, no. So, um, Allie Parker, who hosts the Romance Ever After podcast every um, February, does like a bunch of brackets for rom com oh, movies. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, and then usually the rest of the internet finds it and gets yes. involved, and Kevin Smith decides to activate his. I was going to use a word, his bros, and then Chasing Amy wins, and it's devastating. The reason I'm telling you this is because— Chasing Amy is not the winner. Today is January 24th, a Wednesday, and Allie emailed me that brackets are going to be released tomorrow, January 25th. Oh, my God. All right. What's the greatest rom-com that ever there was? Is Moonstruck on it, Allie? Well, so what happens is— Can you make a quick edit? (laughs) People um, nominate— you know, movies. And I think she said, I saw, she said she had like 300 nominations this year. And then I think she like picks ones that haven't been in the brackets before, That's right? And makes many. up brackets. I, it's not going to be 300. 300 great rom-coms. Oh my God, Sarah. Anyway, my point is, <laughs> we, if you also are enjoying this conversation and want to bracket it up with the rom-coms. That does sound fun. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it's happening on Twitter. That's the other reason I'm saying it, because I know Twitter is kind of dead, but that's where it's happening. So I know that you, Jen, resolved last episode or several episodes <laughs> ago to not sound like you're 90 years old at the beginning yes, of every episode. But I'm trying. That was your resolution, not mine. <laughs> and here's what I wish, here's what upsets me about this bracket every year. And it's not, Allie, you're doing God's work. It has nothing to do with you. Big fan of okay. your long-time, long-time filler-outer. <laughs> First-time caller, though, on right. my complaint. My complaint is that often there is a movie in the mix that is empirically a terrific movie, but it comes from the past. Mm. And so, like, new reader, like, younger people have never watched, for example, Moonstruck it falls into this category. We're like, this is a very fun movie that like some I appreciate some people do not think it's great, but like it should at least like it rates surely yeah. in the top. <laughs> I don't know. What quarterfinals <laughs> like. So I think there's that. I also think there's something to be said for the fact that and I don't this is not about me. This, this is not about our age even, but like even people our age feel this way. People like there are some really bangers of rom-coms that are old. And what I mean is like the 40s and 50s, like slapsticky, like bringing up baby style black and white rom-coms. 
and nobody watches those, and you really are missing out. So if there are any of those, so maybe this year you could resolve <laughs> out there to watch all of the rom-coms on the bracket. Yeah, that would be super fun, Not right? all at once, obviously. Sure, like, that would be a weird yourself. thing to do. But pace yourself and maybe over 2024. Like, what a fun yeah. thing. Yeah, because I know, I mean, everybody knows this. I get super overwhelmed by choices, and, like, yeah. then I'm sort of watching something I've already watched. Although, Mr. Um, Reese Romance and I watched Joyride. Have you seen that? No, what is that? It is so fucking funny. I cannot even tell you. Who's in it? Um... I don't know people's names, Sarah. Hold on. It, this is true. I can confirm it. I was like, wait, you're asking Eric way talking, too much of me. My in-laws are here, everybody, right now. And um, last night we were talking about the podcast and they, you know, like good 70-something-year-old in-laws, they're like, <laughs> now what do you do? And so we're explaining, the two of us were like explaining the podcast. Yeah. Um, and then Eric was like... <laughs> Eric was like, well, I mean, there's some things that people just now, like, like, listeners just know to expect. Like, <laughs> they never know the title of the book they're talking about. Never. <laughs> never. Never. No. Um, I never know the characters' names. Like, before we record every day, I have to, like, oh my God, write never. down the characters' names so I can, like, and then if it's, like, a first-person blurb, I'm like, I guess I'm just going to say her. Oh, well. No. And 90% of the time, I'm going so, like, off the cuff that by the time I actually do, I'm talking about the book. I hadn't prepared to talk about the book at all. So that's why I always use heroin and hero because I just. Yeah, right. What can you do? Okay. It is, Ashley Park is probably the main character. Um, what happens is it's these four, <laughs> these four friends and, but like kind of not really. It's like Joyride? two. I'm looking it up. Oh my God, Sarah. We laughed and laughed. And like, it was one of those movies where we were like, little romance, come watch with us. But he was like, I can tell this is going to be like embarrassing to watch with my parents. And mm. so he didn't like, there is. So anyway, Ashley Park is like a, she's a, she's a transracial adoptee. And so she finds out that like. Her company is sending her to China, and she's, like, going to have this opportunity maybe to, like, look up her birth mom. Mm -hmm. And she's taking her best friend with her who, like, they've been besties since they were kids. And then, like, along the way, they pick up, like, one of her college friends and then, like, uh, her best friend's, like, cousin. And the four of them, are like, essentially go on this trip, and it is just so funny. And, like, you know, Ashley, the Ashley Park character is like, I have work to do. You guys are, like, a bunch of losers. And the whole thing, it was great. Just A+. plus, Really, really funny. I don't think it's a rom-com, although there's, there's definitely— a in it. Well— she gets lucky with two guys at once, and I <gasps> and one of them is at one time, and one of them is Chris Peng. Oh, well, listen, the one of the <laughs> best Chris's exactly. So, this is why Little Romance didn't want to watch it with you. Yeah, was he like, was like, No, I, I can't can tell. watch a threesome with my parents, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. No, I get it, awkward, I get it, sure. Sure, so anyway, <laughs> anybody, if you're it's, I it's not really a rom com, it's really funny though. And if you are like, I'm looking for something fun to watch. That is new. Jen. There you go. Speaking of children and their parents and romance. <laughs> okay, listen, I have a funny story to tell you. Uh, so my daughter, who is 10 now, and like very relaxed and groovy about the fact that her mother uh, reads romance novels and writes them. Um, I was working on something. I'm working on a book right now, everyone. And, uh, and I was sort of doing that thing that here's what. This is what Eric says to people, like, when you watch film 
film versions of writers or like TV versions of writers. And you're like, that feels over the top how these people are. He's like, it's usually like measured. (laughs) You're like, no, that's um, very calm. I don't super take offense to it because I know that it's true. Um, But so I was, you know, rending my clothes about, you know, how I'm terrible and I don't know what to do next. And she was like, what's happening in the book? And I said, well, I think maybe they have to go on a boat. I think there's a boat coming. And she goes, all right, I know what has to happen. And I was like, lay it on me. I'm <laughs> ready. ready. I was like, is this the beginning? <laughs> like, She'll just tell me what to write yeah, and exactly. then I'll just do it. She goes, they get on the boat. They start going. She falls off the boat. He jumps in after her to save her, takes off his shirt, and they kiss. And I went, is that the order that this happens in? And she said, yes. And I was like, interesting choices. You were like, it might, you might be ready for overboard. <laughs> I like takes off his shirt only after yes. he's in the water. Which no, seems like it would be very hard. Yeah. Here's my kid who has ra- been raised to understand patriarchy and <laughs> feminism. She's like, and of course, he gets into the water. They kiss. And then she's like, why are you even in the water? I can swim. And the boat is sailing away. And I was like, holy crap, that is funny. That like, is that funny. Is <laughs> funny scene. So everyone, if in my next book... Some version of this happens. You know that I have plagiarized it from my 10-year-old. <laughs> and then told everybody about it. It's but fine. she basically, I basically own her at this point because she's only 10. So sure. is it plagiarism? <laughs> Not really. You're paying for school and things like that. It's better than AI. It's better than AI. <laughs> it is. That's true. That's true. Um, also, I have to tell you yeah. that she, I got a new Kindle. Ooh. I have lots of things to say. Okay. Tell me. I got a new Kindle. And it's deli- it's beautiful. It's paper white. It's so thin and so light. Um, and she was like, "Oh, can I can I play with it?" And I was like, "I mean, sure." So she opens it up, and I have the new Jess K. Hardy book, which is not out. Not everybody has. I might be out by now, but right now I'm reading the new Jess K. Hardy book, and it is great. Everyone it is as fun as come as you are. It's set in the same world. I freaking loved it. I tore through it. Um, but she opens it up and there is, and she starts to read it and she, she looks up at me and she goes, mom, one of the friends says, if you don't fuck him, I will. What does that mean? <laughs> and I was like, so that's not an appropriate thing for a 10 year old no. to really be reading. And then I was like, um, it just means like he's super handsome. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to say? That's in I fact mean, what it means. Okay. So wow. anyway, um, really just like top-notch parenting going on over here. Well done. Just using her ideas for books and uh, teaching her things that she probably doesn't need to know. I don't want her saying that to her friends. So. You know, I'm a little mad because you have a copy of that book and I don't think I do. It's fine. Um, Jess K. Hardy, listener of the podcast. <laughs> it's like jenreadsromance at gmail.com. Ms. Reads Romance would like a copy of your book. (laughs) Uh, I promise to keep it away from all young children. Yeah. This book is fucking great. And then I was like, I'm actually so glad. And I'm going to say something that, I don't know, some people are going to find incendiary. But I'm going to say it anyway. I'm ready. Firefighters was last week, Sarah. But okay. I know. (laughs) I really feel 
like Jess Hardy, reading Come As You Are last year, like gave me, like really boosted my my reading last year to the point well because look I had a rough last year in general but and I but I really like I it was it was hard I didn't find that many books that really spoke to me last year we talked about this on the best of the year episode and I think that's for lots of reasons but for there was a moment in the midst in the middle of all of it where I was like is it just not for me anymore like is romance just not for me anymore or at least like current like what is being produced right now not for me or what is popular right now, not for me. And then I read Come As You Are, and I was like, oh, no, this book slaps. Like, this book is for me. Yeah. And yeah. um, and now I just read this new one, which is called Lips Like Sugar. And uh, it's very cute. Small town, bakery. We'll talk about it another time, I'm sure. So I'm not going to get super into it. But, like, I did. I, I messaged Jess yesterday, and I was just like, I just want to thank you for, you know, being being somebody who just like reaffirmed my faith in romance novels. Oh my god, I have something else to tell you. That's amazing. Oh, I love this. Are you saving it for banter? Well, if I save it for banter, then not everybody gets to know. Sure. Okay. I'm ready. All right. So my in-laws are here, everyone. It's January. We saved Christmas for now. Like we didn't do Christmas with them. We waited and we're doing it now. And I think we talked about this last year too, that now annually they go to a used bookstore in central california yes and they shop for first edition mass market paperbacks so first of all i have the i now have like the first edition mass market of jane ann krentz's gift of fire which has a killer (gasps) cover is that the one with the um it's she's wearing like a pink nightgown so this is the gift of fire. It's not. This is just a classic. I don't know. They're, they're they're hunting a medieval treasure. Classic. No, this one. A coral kiss. Oh, look at that. Look at that cover. She just look has a lay on over her boobs. Amazing. And this is a famous cover. I've seen yeah, yeah. this cover many yeah. times. It's beautiful. She's naked. <laughs> I mean, I assume it's set in the South Pacific. Oh, yeah. Amy has no reason to trust any man since the scuba diving incident in the South Pacific (laughs) left her a woman haunted by a harrowing mystery and a memory of blinding fear. But she clearly gets over it in a waterfall with nothing but a lay to cover her parts. (laughs) Amazing. A plus. And also... This Nora Roberts charmed. Look at that. Silhouette. Oh, yeah. Uh, What is it? Special edition. You ready? I'm going to read this to you. Charmed. Boone Sawyer. Is that, have you ever heard of a more Nora Roberts hero name? No, I have not. No, you have not. Boone Sawyer never expected to move next door to a woman who looked like one of the fairy princesses he often wrote about. Anastasia Donovan had a serene kind of femininity that would baffle and allure any man who was still breathing. And Boone was definitely breathing. (laughs) Romance is the best. Uh, Isn't it the greatest? That is the greatest thing I've ever... Terrific. 
Also, there's like a first edition Mary Balog in there. There's a first edition like That's awesome. Laura Kinsale in there. That's super but, fun. That is a fun gift. I mean, I think that they are kind of delighted by it because it's like inexpensive. Yeah, they get to go, right? they go and she just said like they go into the store and they talk to the owner and they're just like, what do you got? Daughter-in-law yeah. just wants first edition romances. And they're like, okay, well... I let's go. I look. actually have a present for you, but I haven't mailed it yet. So maybe like this presents. will inspire me to mail it. Of course. Okay. All right, Thanks. Sarah. Should we talk about one night stands? We do you think <laughs> we should. This week's episode of Faded Mates is brought to you by Joe Brenner, author of "You Can Follow Me: The First Book in the Bad Heroes Trilogy." Uh, Dark Romance Girlies are very excited this week because the Bad Hero series is officially complete uh, at three books. The third book, Meet Me in the Dark, came out last week. Um, and this series, and the first book, uh, ends on a cliffhanger. So you can just download all three and just tear boom, right boom, through boom. them all. Um, our our heroine, Kara, is sure that she is not in it for commitment anymore. Her last relationship blew up in her face. Um, but we know because it's romance, it never goes that way. That's the exact time you're going to meet three very sexy, very dangerous, very dominant men who throw your life completely off course. So Connor, Micah, and Luke seem like they're all different guys who she's met in all different ways, but they are actually best friends, lovers, Navy SEALs, and absolutely ruthless when it comes to getting what they want. And guess what they want, Jen? Her. They want Kara. They want her. And they want her so much that they're not willing to woo her. They're just going to kidnap her in the dead of night and vow never to let her go. What else is dark romance for if not that? <laughs> Determined to make her theirs. Um, listen, Kara's not necessarily for this at the beginning, but things start to get very hot, very fast, and also very, like, twisty-turny. This ends sexy. up being a very sexy second-chance romance like I said, the first book ends on a cliffhanger, but you can just download all three and tear right through them. Exactly. No what a problem. nice time. Weekend sorted. <laughs> you can get the Bad Heroes trilogy with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Thank you to Joe Brenner for sponsoring this week's episode. I went back and I was listening to the beginning of the one that was like fast incendiary burns. And I talked a lot. We talked a lot kind of about like the setup of a one night stand at the beginning of that episode. Mm -hmm. But I still think like it's worth just like repeating some of it, which is the interesting thing about a one night stand is that it is leading with physical intimacy rather than emotional intimacy. And therefore it upends and changes the entire arc of the story because this thing that Sometimes it feels like a, a bit of a, like, ooh, are they going to do it? I don't really enjoy that feeling because I'm like, these are grownups who are sexually active right. and have been. It doesn't really feel like it should be like a, ooh, are they going to do it feeling? But, you know, I was once that kind of reader because I was like a kid. But it's so it's interesting because it really inverts that thing, right? So, mm -hmm. um, and I think that you can do a lot of then really interesting stuff with people with characters, I mean, who have are more comfortable with their bodies than they are with their feelings, for example, or, you know, that they think that they're never going to see anybody again. Like, there's like just a lot of really interesting ways that you can then do stuff with characters when sex is on and off the table so fast. Well, 
I also think there's, I in thinking about it, right, like I, the reason why we felt like we'd done it so many times is because, like you said, like we've, it's been a piece of so many, so many different other episodes. Yeah. Um, but I think something that's really interesting that I was noodling this morning was I think One Night Stands hit differently in 2024 in the sense that I'm not 100% certain they are going to be as common. When I was thinking about it, I was like, well, when have we talked about One Night Stands? And so you were like, Fast and Sundry Burn, right? Because it starts with the sex on the page. Um, Secret Babies right? Because they do it and then, oops, she's pregnant. Um, And then Taboo is one of those ones where, and like, you know, woke up married maybe, but like even that doesn't feel right. But Taboo certainly is because it's the like, oh no, I had a one night stand and now he's my gynecologist, doctor, you know, professor, priest, whatever. Yeah. Right? Priest. Hopefully you didn't have a one night stand with your priest. That's weird. But Okay. So, but all of that is to say, like, it then the conflict is sort of embedded in the sex of it all. But I think that in 2024, at least I hope, let's say I hope that in 2024, the like one night stand as some kind of like dramatic event is less prevalent because. It's fine as long as everybody's consensual and safe. Like, right. Who cares? Well, I mean, and that's like one of the things that I, I I mean, just in general, like we have like a list of like ongoing topics. And one of them is always like kind of like how sex and romance really works. Right. Mm. Um, One of the things that is and I, I mean, I'll just say this. It's like strange to me. Is like when I was a kid, I was kind of like, or there have been times in my life, I guess, where I was like, really like, I'm reading for like the sex scenes. When are they going to do it? Like that was like a real preoccupation of mine. And part of that was because often for many, many, many of my reading romance years, the heroine was always a virgin. Yep. And so doing it was like really like a key part of the plot. And I feel like it's been – and you people have heard me say this. It's fascinating to me that, like, we have really decoupled virginity from books, right? We've made these adult characters with, like, sexual lives and histories and pasts. But at the same time, like, that deeply embedded, I don't know, like, kind of the roots of the genre are kind of, like, are they going to do it? Yeah. And so it's, like, strange to me, though, because I'm just, like, there's something so weird to me about it. Because I'm, like, you're sexually active people. Like, why are you – why is this, like, pro, like epilogue sex? Anyway, so I think one of the things that's interesting to me about One Night Stands is I was going to – I thought what you were going to say is One Night Stands are interesting in 2024 because there's less sex in traditionally published romance right now. Oh, and therefore, oh, interesting. Yeah, like, that's what you sometimes get. And uh, like a good example – and look, look, this is a book I really loved. The purple one, the Pharaoh Roshan that was purple, the third one about the doctor and she goes to her high school reunion. Yeah. They have a one-night stand but it's like off-page. 
like, so essentially, like, the other way to do it is, like— A million years ago, we did this thing. Yeah, like, or, no, but, like, no, it happens at the beginning of the book, but it's not really on page the first time. And then, like, they—he, of course, because the way one-night stands work is, then immediately this person has to be in your orbit in some way you didn't expect. He works—he's, like, working at the same hospital as her. And, you know, and it's—I was fascinated. I was like, oh, that's, like, another way to do it, right? Like, so— we talked about this in Fast and Send Your Burns, yeah, too, right? of course. But I can understand, like, threading that needle of one-night-stand sex is difficult because part of what makes romance novel sex sexy is the f- emotions of it all, right? Like, the transformation, the transformative emotion yes. of sex on the page in romance, right? Which is in a... F- in a book where the one where like the sex is right away, you really struggle with that, right? Like then it has to edge into in a lot of ways erotic because in order for it to be sexy, it has to be sexy unless you're writing nobody's baby but mine, where like it is a one night. It's intended to be a one night stand, and it's okay that it's bad sex, right? Because it's sex for a purpose, not sex for sex. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and that's interesting because I. If I can make like another small little detour, I was okay. Everybody knows I love Reacher. Reacher books are kind of done for me because the new guy's writing them. I'm not reading Does them really. Jack Reacher's bang. Oh yes, but in all of his books, pretty much he has like a woman he gets with for sure. And is it like a long? Is no. it a relationship or is it just like um, he goes to a bar and picks up? No, a lady? no, no, no. There, it's like a person he's in a relationship with because of whatever the events are in the book. Like, mm-hmm. this is a woman, you know, we're trying to investigate this together or you're involved or whatever. So it's like a, a character in the book. Mm-hmm. Often the sex is brief, but like it's on page, like it's clear. It's like a paragraph, like you know what they're doing. But it was really interesting because I was reading um, – there's a book of Reacher short stories. So Ernie and I are like, okay, here's our last, our real last, like, kabang kaboom with Reachers reading these short stories. Mm-hmm. And there's one, and I have some complicated feelings about this, too, where he is, like, 17 in New York on, by himself, and he is getting a blowjob in the car. Mm. And it is the least sexy sex I've ever read. And I was really like, you know why? Because there's no emotion in this, Right. But it's also different because I think in a one-night stand, like, the the emotions that come with it are coming from the characters who often, like, do not engage in one-night stands. Mm-hmm. So it's like their feelings are still there. It's not really just pure, like, mechanics. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. still feelings there, but often it's feelings about this decision to have sex with a stranger. Yeah. Right? Does that make sense? So the feelings are about why am I doing this? What am I getting out of it? What am yeah. you know, what are they getting out of it? And so it's not the same as the kind of feelings we get in romance when it's a Mm-mm. relationship, but it's still no. interesting. Yeah. So you want it to be and I think also like the balance the struggle with this is a trope right like as a concept in romance is you also want to like believe it's plot like you want to feel like you understand why it happened and that is not to say in real life like i said if everyone's safe and consensual i think everybody should have as many one night stands as they want like have a great time everybody i support you but in a book like i have to know why right like it has to feel like it's a why or it has to feel like the sex is transformative, 
right? Like, especially because one night stands often are the inciting moment of the book. And so when we talk about that as writers, as like the inciting moment of the book, that means either something needs to have happened like directly beforehand to inspire this moment, or it needs to be something that is transforming the plot or the characters in that moment. It's incredibly difficult to do with no runway. Like, then that's it. It's like the sex is high stakes in some way. Or it has to be that the character is in a pickle, right? Like, we talk a lot about, like, you want a heroine who who is a mess or heroine who is in a mess. And, like, one night, the one-night stand has to be in the mess. Yeah. Or the product of the mess. Right. Or cause the mess, right? Yeah. So the book that I immediately think of now as, like, a as a, like, textbook one-night stand book is Odette Stone's Puck Me Secretly. Yes. Um, because it does both things. It is it is both of these things. And I think that's, look, all I want, in, and everybody knows this, all I want is for it to be as messy as possible. Yeah. Like, I want as much conflict just packed right in there. So this book was recommended to me by somebody who is a listener of the podcast, and I am very sorry because I have never been able to remember who you are and I talk, I love this book so much, and I talk about it all the time now. The heroine of this book and the hero of this book are seated next to each other. The book opens. They are seated next to each other on a plane. And he's, like, hot. but they're And they're, like, fine. They're, like, it's one of those things where they're, like, sitting next to each other on this plane. And then the plane begins to die. It goes into a fucking free fall. And this this plane crashes and it's like a passenger plane and it crashes. And the whole time that it's falling out of the sky, he's like holding her hand and he's trying to distract her. So it's not like a free fall, really. It's like a controlled crash. Right. Um, It crashes into a field. And like, and in the like midst of all of the confessions in this chapter one, right, is like, I've never been in love. I've never had an orgasm, right? Like she says this to him and like she makes all, and so they crash and then they are like shuttled to a hospital, checked out and then shuttled to a hotel by the, you know, to spend the night and they have a one night stand. And it's like very clear that it's the product of like the, adrenaline and fear and like panic and and i will tell you i'm i you all know i have a heart of stone cold ice when it comes to reading (laughs) i do not cry when i read i cried during the plane crash part of this book like it was so emotional it was so sad and like the letdown of that moment is they go to a hotel and they fuck and they have a great time And then they get themselves to Vancouver finally, which is where they're both going. And it turns out that he is um, (laughs) like the star of the Vancouver Wolves hockey team. And she is the daughter of the owner of the team. And she has to prove her worth. Right. Like, yeah, he her dad wants her to prove that she can run a hockey team before he's willing to name her his successor. And so then it becomes like a workplace romance. But, and what's fascinating is we really sort of never, Odette Stone sort of starts with this plane crash and then we never really go back to like explore the emotions of this plane crash. Like it's just, it, right. it is like the inciting <laughs> incident in the purest form of the word. Um, but it works 
perfectly because you understand instinctively why these two people have done this thing. Yeah. And then you understand as the rest of the book sort of rolls out why what they've done is problematic. And largely it's because they can't keep their hands off each other because they know how great the sex is. Yeah. Well, so that is Puck Me Secretly by Odette Stone. And it is the beginning of... I. Jen will say, I ran through you this. Ran through like, a, you had like a I read like a six run. of them in a row. And then it becomes hockey. It's like hockey, 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 hockey mafia. And that's sure. where I stopped because I was like, what? Hockey mafia? But I got to be honest, I'm just talking about it right now. I'm like, maybe I'll go back to it. <laughs> maybe it's time. I mean, that's a, the one thing is sometimes you read a lot of books by the same author in a row and you're like, I think it's just me at this point. There's nothing wrong with these books. It's just me. <laughs> I've done too much. <laughs> exactly. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by 1001 Dark Nights, publishers of Kristen Ashley's new novella, Rock Chick Rematch. Jen, are you so excited? Of course. So everybody, Darius Tucker has been a real fan favorite in the Rock Chick series for a long time, and he finally gets his book with Malia Clark. They were high school sweethearts. Um, you know, they thought they were going to be together forever, but then life just kind of comes at them too fast because they're kids. So Darius makes a drastic decision to keep his family safe and Malia leaves town with a secret. And of course, every romance reader is like secret baby. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So now she's back though. Right. And she's really determined to come clean and tell him the truth, but he finds out before she can tell him and all oh, of the, boy. the nationally drama that you would want is right there. So, so many feelings. I know. So secrets are going to come between them, but she's going to also Malia's like trying to figure out a thing that's happening at work and you know, but her ride or dies, the rock chicks are going to be there for her. Well, you can read rock chick rematch uh, right now in print or ebook and learn more about Kristen Ashley's new book or any of the other 1001 Dark Nights stories at 1001darknights.com. Thanks to the team at 1001 Dark Nights and to Kristen Ashley for sponsoring this week's episode. So I actually, is really funny, I made a list of books I wanted to talk about. And what was really interesting to me is I, this time around, kind of steered away from ones that follow like that classic. Some of the most memorable ones to me don't actually follow that super classic, like, and now he's your boss or whatever, right? Right. There are plenty of those. They're great. So I have come up with a couple that like kind of go a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to start with The Layover by Roe Horvat. Which I, is this also a plain book? Is it a plain book? It's a traveling book. Um, a layover, yeah. A layover, right. Um, actually, Andro is the, and this is also really interesting. Let's say, here you guys, this is like a little. My, I have an Eastern European, vaguely, right? Polish and Slovak is like always what I've been told is like my ethnicity, but I have like zero connection to it. Um, Andro is... Slovak. And I was like, oh, I'm reading about my people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what happens is he um, there, you know, he gets stuck in an airport. Right. I do feel like this is like another setup because scandalized by Ivy Owens, who is Lauren of Christina Lauren, also has like, you know, the layover kind of. Well, we also have to talk about Christina Lauren at some point because I feel like this is a hardcore kink for them. Yeah. The one night stand. It's so many of so many of their books. Right. So anyway, in this book, though, it was really good. And Andro is um, 
Like, he was a flight attendant. There's called something different over there in Europe on whatever airline he was on. He'd been living in Dubai, and he's going to move back home to Bratislava. Is that how you say that city? Okay, anyway. Sure. Um, and he, it's really interesting, is clearly there's like a, an emotional piece of it, but you're not quite sure what it is. And then his flight is delayed, so he's going to have to spend the night in Switzerland. And he meets Jamie, who is an American who lives in Edinburgh. And they kind of hit it off, and they're 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 talking, and it's like their their conversation is actually really good, like in a way that I wish I like almost I'm like if you have a question about how to like write convert like real conversations where you end up in one of those like deep meaningful conversations with someone you barely know, this is a great book for it. Like there's nothing surface level at all, and a big reason why is because Jamie is like why. Do you want to go back there? It's so homophobic, right? And so there's this real, like, question that is, like, deep-rooted about their experiences of growing up because Jamie grew up in Idaho. Mm -hmm. And so – and, you know, he's like – and I I left and it's kind of like where can we, like, be ourselves in this world? And what does it mean to try and go home? Well, it turns out that Andros is, like, left home 10 years ago, but his best friend and lover when he was, like, 22 – has, like, recently died. And Andro is kind of, like, it, this compels him to, like, kind of want to go back home. And anyway, they, Andro's very clear, like, why don't you come back to my room with me? And Jamie's like, I just don't really think I want to. Uh, I'm just not that kind of person. Thanks mm-hmm. for the offer. I'm attracted to you, but I need more than just, like, one night. But something changes, and he shows up at Andro's door that night, and they have sex, and it's hot, and it's great. And the next morning, Andro's – and it's all in Andro's point of view. is like, yeah, it's a little weird and awkward, but we're going to go to the airport together and get on our various flights. And when they get to the airport, Jamie, like, passes out, and it turns out that he has, like, walking pneumonia. And Andro, instead of just, like, dumping him off at the ER or, like, putting him on the, on, on the ambulance, decides to stay with him. And so then they have, like, this five nights in this little, like, kind of, like, apartment hotel in Bern where he's taking care of Jamie and, like, really thinking about what kind of life he wants to have. Mm-hmm. And it's just – it's beautiful. And I think it's, like, like you said, like, the one-night stand really becomes the – this question about, like, who am I and what kind of person do I want to be? Right? Yeah. And it's absolutely right. And somehow being with Jamie allows him to like really open the door to this question about like his identity in a different way. And like, you know, he's sort of like, have I I've been running away my whole life in some ways from these these things? And now I'm am I'm am I going back or am I just running away again? It's a ter- and it's a novella. I mean, I read it in, I don't know, an hour and a half. It was yeah. terrific. So that's the layover by Roe Horvat. So, I mean, I think what you're really getting at here, right, like, this is where what I was talking about is this, like, yes, it can, it should, of course, serve the plot, the one-night stand, but for me, for them to really work, it has to be character, right? It has to be, like I said, transformational for the character. And this probably comes from my... Mm, like 30 years ago, you know, romance, if like whenever they had sex, it was like funny, like the hero saw God for the first time, right? Like, (laughs) and it was like he had never, because all heroes then were, you know, basically scoundrels and he had had, you know, sex with 10,000 people. But like when he finally has the sex with this heroine, like it's it, it's her forever. 
Um, I, so for me, that's, I was thinking and I was like, I want to think about like historicals Mm. and how historicals play into this because obviously it's a slightly different thing. Usually in a historical one night stands, like don't happen quite, they don't hit the, the same way. They're not, they don't function in the same way. I think the um, exception to this rule or like one of the exceptions to this rule is Sherry Thomas's Delicious, which is if you love food in romance novels, this is the book for you. Like, I feel like this is this is a cornerstone text for you. Um, the premise here is that uh, the, the hero and heroine, uh, hero Stuart and the heroine is Verity. And Verity is a chef and she's like this renowned chef. Mm-hmm. Um and Stuart is a politician and um the and but in like in many of Sherry's books this is written in in dual timeline and 10 years ago Stuart um who like grew up so god the characterization here is just so I mean it's Sherry Thomas Sherry Thomas I'm sure it's amazing so gorgeous so the premise is that like Stuart grew up very very poor hungry all the time like knows like and he talks about like the poverty that he experienced and like the fact that he would go you know days without food um so like again this sort of like hunger as a as a as both like literal and metaphorical in this book is fucking great anyway it's sherry thomas um and so 10 years ago he had a one-night stand with a complete stranger that was so magnificent that in the moment he was like i love you like let's uh, like we should be together forever like well whatever it is whatever your past whatever my past like our future is each other it's obvious like nothing has ever felt this way to me ever emotionally and she came from this like you know had had her own sort of mysterious and obviously quite devastating past and in the moment like he falls asleep they he falls asleep like in her arms in the bed and he's like don't go like don't be gone when i wake up and she leaves and he spends 10 years with this like aching emptiness inside him like all he can think every day is just like how can he find her I am going to admit something that is beautiful and I am um, that's always like a really hard thing for me to believe. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm like just, I mean I'm, I'm a romantic a but not it, that much of a romantic I guess. Like, so really? whatever that that is exactly what I want. I want a hero <laughs> to never ever be able to have a cohesive thought again except where is that person who Fair. inspired me that one time. <laughs> that one um, time. <laughs> so he's so cut to 10 years later there is this like legendary chef now in London and everybody is like you gotta eat her food like you've never tasted anything like this and he's like whatever food food is food like fine and so he goes and she he eats her food and like the first taste of it he's like this is heaven right I'm seeing God and then she like comes to the table and he sees her and immediately is like this is her it's her like she can feed like she, of course it is yeah. her food that of has course. made me feel full for something. the first time feel mm-hmm. a feeling for the first time in 10 years and then of course it's just like well it's sherry thomas so she's gonna pull, rip your heart out throw it on the ground stomp around on it for a little while <laughs> and then she's delicately ruthless. stitch it back into your chest right that is 
Delicious by Sherry Thomas. Okay. So I have a, you know what? I do think one of the things, I have one where it's like there's a time delay. So usually, right, the usual thing is like they, you know, they wake up and then like within days that person is, again, you know, their boss, their their neighbor, their somebody, right? Mm -hmm. So it's unusual to have the one night stand kind of like linger in that way. But I am going to talk about a perfect category romance. I'm sure I've talked about this book before. I don't care. I love it. And I sort of forgot that this was like a big plot until I was doing my like research. And I was like, yeah. It's called A Taste of Pleasure by Chloe Blake. And in mm-hmm. this book, which I like cannot – I like couldn't get enough of this book. I read it like in a big gulp. It's amazing. It's so perfect. Um it's just like really tight again in the way only category romances can be. And a one night stand is a great plot device for a category romance because it's just like boom, right? Yeah. So basically, Danny is a chef and she works at a Michelin star restaurant and she's like the one in the kitchen doing all of the work. But her boyfriend, or kind of like it's not super clear, I guess they're dating, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like kind of like her, her, Friend with benefits. Like, there's no commitment, really, between them, I don't think. Um, Is, like, the face of it. So, like, everybody thinks he's the chef and doing all this amazing work, but she's really the one doing it. And it's kind of clear in the text it's because she's a fat woman, right? And, and, you know, he's just like, you got to let me be the face of this. So, anyway, she goes off to a wedding. She has a great, hot, super awesome one-night stand with this sexy, hot Italian man. Um, and then, like, goes back home and is going to, you know, still work at the restaurant. And then it's a year later. And, like, on the same day that she finds out that her part-time lover boyfriend is cheating on her, he al- she also finds out that he has, like, essentially inked a deal to do a TV show about cooking without her. So it's, like, this ultimate betrayal mm-hmm. at every level. And she is just, like, fuck you. And she, like, dumps, like— food on his head or something. It's very dramatic and great. And then, like, goes home to her mother to sort of get needed support. Her mom is an old supermodel. Nice. (laughs) And her mom was basically like, we're not normal people, Danica. You just need to do better. Normal people aren't Michelin-starred chefs. What are you complaining about? Normal people. (laughs) Like, her mom Mm -hmm. says, in my favorite line of all of romance, I made love to David Bowie, for God's sakes. (laughs) And it, I just loved it, right? And so anyway, Danny is just like, uh So she meets up with, you know, of course, he's a wine distributor or something. And she meets up with him and now, like, the Italian guy. And then it turns out that, like, of course, they work together. So now they can't have sex even though they have. And the whole setup is so great. It is a perfect romance. And again, because it's category length, you can really, like, just, like, get in and get out. Um, and I think the th- the thing about it is, is like one of the things that's really restorative for Danny is that he just thinks she is the most beautiful woman in the world. And he has an ex-wife. He also knows what it's like to deal with an ex. He has a daughter and family. And you know what I mean? It's just like so – I don't know. It's just so great. Like sometimes you read a romance and you're like, where has this author been all my life and why have they stopped writing since then? Chloe Blake, you're my person. So yeah. that's called A Taste of Pleasure. It's terrific. Um, I think we should, like I said, I think we should talk about Christina Lauren. Um, Sweet Phil- So the Wild Seasons Quartet is set in Vegas. They're all in Vegas. 
Yes. Right? Yeah, They're all like, together yeah. for like a weekend or something. Now I feel like I should have prepped for this, but I did not. But they're, yes, they're all like there are there are four of them and uh, like a few novellas in this book, in this series. But Sweet Filthy Boy is the first one. It is, um, <laughs> it's a, uh, that's the one that, this is the one that everybody like really loves. It is not actually my favorite one. My favorite one is Dark Wild Night, but that's, you know, I great. like the red one. Which one is the red one? Dirty, rowdy thing. So see, everybody has their favorite. Everybody has their, everybody has their, their thing. So anyway, um, Basically, what happens is there. So, so this Mia, the heroine, graduates college and then is like, af, is like, goes to celebrate with all of her friends in Vegas. And while, um, while there, she does, she, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Um, and she has a one night stand with Ansel who is French. This is the French guy, right. everyone. This is Christina Lawrence French book. <laughs> um, and she has a, like, crazy one-night stand with him. These books are smoking hot, everyone. These are these are not the same kind of sexual content as the current CeeLo books. Um, and the... And uh, so these are smoking hot. They have a like banger of a one night stand. And then he's like, I'm going to France for the summer. You should come. Yeah. Or he's like, I'm going to France. Right. You should, come. you should come. And she's like, well, it's the summer after graduation. Like, I don't really have a job yet. Like, I don't have I have nothing to do. Like, I have no responsibility at all. I'm 22. And like, what else is there to do? So sure. Okay. I'll come to France with you. And so she goes to France and they have this like incredible like French fling thinking and they're sort of promise. The promise is it'll just be a summer. It'll be like a fling right. for the summer. But of course, in romance, it's never a fling for the summer. And so then there's like, obviously, the the conflict here is like, is this really like, is it possible for it feels and this is the other thing that I think one night stands do really well is like invariably they are so great and you feel like is this possible for an entire life like can this sustain itself right they feel like yeah. talk about incendiary burns like they feel like candles burning at both ends right like it's amazing but like they won't last and then they do and that's the promise of the romance one night stand. So that's Christine and Lauren's Sweet Filthy Boy. But Christine and Lauren have done a few of these. There's my favorite half night stand is also a one night stand book. Yes. Scandalized is one. The the what about the thing about Scandalized I like is she they have a one night stand and she thinks it's a stranger and he recognizes her. Right. So that's, and so Ivy that's like Owens a, is yes. scandalized. Ivy Owens is one half of is the Lauren half of yeah. of a which I think is like Christina so Lauren. I I was I I it's funny cuz when I looked at my list I was like I'm kind of into these ones where there's like a twist on the typical like one night stand and in this case right and there's all these ways she's like sort of making these comments and he's like are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and then she finally figures out like oh it was essentially like my childhood best friend's older brother, they moved away to England when I was like 10. So she just didn't recognize him. Um, yeah, they're great. They're great. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by L.J. Evans, author of After All the Wreckage. So 
Gage, the hero of this book, is a bartender in a small town, a town that he grew up in, um, and he is kind of stuck there. He has inherited this bar, but he's also inherited responsibility for his two young siblings. And here's the catch. Um, They have both inherited an unexplainable family gift uh, by which they have premonitions that always seem to come true. That's exciting. I know. So obviously this gift is pretty valuable and his brother goes missing right at the exact same time that Rory Bishop comes back to town. Rory was a girl who um, they who he was a little bit into um, when he was younger, but now she's a private investigator and one who's very skilled and he's he needs her help to find his brother. On her, for her part, though, Rory has had a crush on Gage of since course. they were teenagers. She has never gotten over it, and but she needs to stay focused. I mean, like there is yeah. a kid missing here, and it's getting serious. So she needs to be focused and professional, and she is falling hard for Gage all over again. But. I think it'll work out for them. Well, it sounds like the wreckage here is going to be in our hearts. So um, everybody, if you would like to read uh, After All the Wreckage, which is a romantic suspense slow burn with a single dad, real angsty in a small town, then you should check it out. It is available with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Thank you to LJ Evans for sponsoring this week's episode. And the other, so there's the other piece of this puzzle, though, which is the one night stand can play into just once to get it out of our system, which is um, another another trope that I really love, and we should do a full like episode on it. But I think that that's another thing that 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 one night stands can really play into because. In that situation, it's, you know, we've seen these two kind of dancing around each other. They both believe that a a romance is not in the cards or that they can't fall in love or, you know, whatever the thing is. And then they're like, listen, we can just do it one time. Invariably, this is not the beginning of a book. This is, you know... This is, you know, we've seen a lot of this book unfold. I really, I write these all the time. These kind of like, okay, we'll fuck, but it'll just be one time. And then we'll never think of it again. And I will still be able to be like a cold, heartless hero. Well, or like villain. And then, um, and so, and I think this also really, this is a real historical. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, And the book that I always think about and it's this is actually not like it's not the purest form of it. If you want to like pure form, like just wants to get it out of our system, Wicked in the Wallflower, which is my book, is like mm. literally he just has no he's like, we will do it one time and that will be it. And then you will shut up and we will never talk about it again. Lovable dummy. Anyway. We're gonna do a whole episode on that's like one of my favorites. So um, so but the but the book that I think about a lot related to this is Raven is the Raven Prince by Elizabeth Hoyt. Where she is pretending, she is pretending, she gets a job. The heroine gets a job as the per, the secretary, the private secretary of the Earl down the street. Um, and in her secretarying for him, she discovers receipts to his membership at, like, a sex club. And so she's like, and she's, obs- like, they, she has, like, 
big feelings for him at this point. Like she is drawn to him on a number of levels. I love this book because she's also a widow. So like she's like there's no no virgins here. Like she's just like, what if I went and got with him just once to get it out of our my system? Um, the difference here is that he does not know that she is going, that it is her going to get with him just once to get it out of her system. He does not know she has anything in her system <laughs> at all for him. Sure. She's of just... course, everyone, he <laughs> has lots of things in his system for her. So it all works out great. Oh, she goes there, amazing. she meets with the madam. The madam is like, sure, you can be his courtesan for the night. And he just happens to request a courtesan who looks exactly like her. What are the chances? Um, Because he's obsessed. And she goes masked and they have this incredibly hot interlude. And he thinks she's... Accord it like she thinks he's he's she he he thinks she is a sex worker, and then they do it, and then he leaves, and she's like, "Oh no, my system is not vacant at all. No, <laughs> no vacancies in the system." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I okay. So can I tell you one of my favorite one night stand books? I don't. I think. And it was really funny because I uh, really like, I think most people really like that first book in that L. Kennedy series, The Deal, including me. We talked about like their kids now have their own book and I basically just read it for Garrett Graham. Fine. Um, But in the second book called The Mistake, (laughs) this is like, I love, I love this setup basically because it felt so like college to me, Um, which is he shows up at her room for some reason. And she's like, yeah, I'm not really who you're looking for. And he's like, okay, but can I just hang out? And they end up like hanging out and like watching a movie on her laptop and like fooling around. And she, I think, fakes it because it's like not happening or he comes and like doesn't take care of her and then like kind of stumbles off and she's like, well, that was awkward and weird, but whatever. I guess that's just how it goes. And the next morning, he shows up at her door and he's like, I know you didn't come and I really feel like I should take care of that. And she's like, great, let's do it. Nice. <laughs> and I, I like loved how self-aware he was that he kind of like woke up and was like, wait, a, wait a minute. I cannot let this stand. <laughs> and yeah. you know what I mean? And again, though, like it, it I think it even like takes it like kind of the like the furthest the furthest extent is like, you know, him just being like, oh, I'm just going to show up at this, I think, the right place. And it's not. But she's cute. Like, let's just hang out. Let's just get it done. And I but I love I always loved sort of the because here's the thing. Like, if you don't have a good time at the one night stand, how are you going to make it? How are you going to make that up to her? Well, you're going to show up the next day. And be like, listen, what a mensch, as exactly. they say. <laughs> exactly. Um, I will. And so I really thought I always thought the beginning of that book was especially great. And that's um, the mistake. by Elton. Well, since we're talking about new adult, the tr- the the sure. old new adult, not sure. the new new adult. Um, <laughs> I feel like we have to talk about Cora Carmax losing it. Yeah. Um, which is a one night stand gone awry. Um so this one is, uh, we talked about this 
on very briefly on the when Chris, when Lauren was on the podcast. Oh yeah, did right. Hot for Teacher. Yes. Um. So Bliss, the heroine of this book, losing it, is in her last semester of college, and she is a virgin, and she is ready to free herself from sure. the shackles of virginity. So she does what any self-respecting virgin, I've written several of them myself, <laughs> would do. She's like, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to go to a bar and pick up a guy and I'm going to just like rip the Band-Aid off, so to speak. So um, she goes and he's like reading at the bar and it's adorable. <laughs> And he lives like near her, and she's like, "Okay, this is great. Like this, he seems like uh, like an up and up guy. He's reading, like he's not like a he's not like a bro. He's, and so she basically picks him up. Um, they go home. They like make out and do <laughs> the you know they do a lot of stuff, and then she like she stops because she's like feeling." She's feeling feelings and she's like, wait, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Like, I'm not supposed, like, right. It was supposed to be a perfunctory, like, slot A, plug B, and this is not what it feels like at all. Like, it feels like a thing. So they end it and he goes home and, like, that's that. And she's just like, ugh, like a lost one night, like, one night stand failed. Um, and then, of course, she turns up <laughs> at school. Um, the next day for her first class of her last semester of college. And he is her theater press professor. Um, and so, yeah. So one night stand gone terribly wrong, terribly wrong, but I'm sure it all worked out in the end. (sighs) They do. All right. These crazy kids. I just want to briefly mention Meryl Wilsner's mistakes were made, which I put on the best of 2022 list, maybe? It, was, it wasn't last year. It was the year before. Mm-hmm. Meryl writes a great romance. And in this one, um, Cassie picks up a beautiful woman at a bar one night in her college town. And they have, like, great, essentially, like, super hot sex in this woman's car in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And then um, at the the next morning, Cassie goes with her like, friend, like, kind of a newer friend uh, who's, a, like, a little younger. I think Cassie is maybe a junior, senior, and this is a freshman. I can't exactly remember these details. Sorry, everybody. But, um, you know, th- it's parents' weekend, and her friend's like, come have breakfast with me and my mom. Things are always so awkward between us. And, you know, it would just be nice to have, like, a third person there. And wouldn't you know it, it is the beautiful woman she had sex with the night before. So, um the whole thing really relies on Cassie kind of keeping this secret, right? Because she doesn't want to hurt her friend's feelings. Um, but also um, her friend has like really no idea. And so that was like, usually I don't like that in a book, but I felt like this, like really felt like it handled all of that so well. Um, and especially because I think the other thing that's really important is even though Cassie's obviously younger, They were never, when they first met, they were equals, just like two women at a bar. And so kind of Cassie doesn't know how to, like, go back to this being, like, taboo or forbidden because it didn't start out that way. And I think it's, like, really smart the way it sort of, like, kind of puts some things that you might be concerned about with this setup on ice in order to really show that – 
these two have a real shot together. So it's awesome. It's called Mistakes Were Made by Meryl Wilsner. Um, have you read Denise Williams's How to Fill Out Flirting? Maybe. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe not. I feel like this is another one that does it in a really interesting way. So um, I want to content warn this book. It's um, the heroine has been in a very abusive relationship and has been out of this relationship for about three years and finally sort of comes to a place both personally and professionally where like everything is in chaos. Like she just feels like everything is stagnated and she makes a list of like how she's going to reclaim her life. Um, And on this list, like, you know, she, you know, she puts a bunch of stuff related to work and life. And um, she, like, and on it are some, like, very simple, lovely things related to relationships or related to, like, flirting, right? So it's like, I want to learn how to, like, be a person who trusts myself in social situations with men. Yeah. Um, And on the list is like a, is a one night stand, like a hookup. Yeah. And uh, she meets this guy at a bar and he is, you know, a stranger comes to town sort of situation. And um, they, and he sees the list and is like, I can help you with that. Like I could be the hookup. Um, And they have it, they have this like great sort of like, moment where they you know they they are so but the the moment is so they are so instantly connected to each other and then like it of course becomes it adds this layer of complexity because this wasn't what this wasn't her intention right Mm -hmm. like so i think the question that this book asks is very much like what happens when you make a very you are being you are having this sort of modern proactive one night stand that I talked about at the beginning of the, of the episode. And it's intended. The intent of the one night stand is personal fulfillment, like solitary personal fulfillment on a very like specific level. And then it is complicated by, Oh wait, I really like this person. Yeah. And, and I don't know that I'm ready to like this person. Um, this book is very complex in a lot of ways. It it deals obviously with a lot of like emotional challenge. There are so many emotional challenges in like finding and trusting yourself in love again after something like this. So that's Denise Williams's How to Fail at Flirting. I I mean, I think the other ones I have would be like I don't know, probably ones we've talked about before. I was going to mention, you know, we talk, when we ever talk about Naima Simone, we talk about um, that first, the second book we love so much in that series. But the third book, Scoring the Player's Baby, they have a one night stand, but she gets pregnant. I feel like those are really hard for me to read now, honestly. Yeah, there's a Priscilla Oliveras, um, uh, same thing, a one night stand uh, that ends in pregnancy. It's called uh, Her Perfect Partner, I think. Yeah, Her Perfect Partner. Um, again, they're not strangers. They're like, they, they're friends, like tertiary friends who meet again at a wedding. So they have a connection, a personal connection. Um, I also want to name check two books that we talk about, that I have talked about a lot on the podcast 
so I'm not going to get deep into them, but they are both one night stand, great one night stand historicals. The first is Diana Quincy's Her Night with the Duke. We did a deep dive on it. Um, I put it on the best of the year list the year that it came out. Um, but it begins literally with like yeah. a Duke and a woman in a washed out, the road is washed out. They're in a posting in, there is only one room left and they have a hot one night stand and think they will never see each other again. And then oops, he is marrying her stepdaughter. Not great, not great, but a very good book. And then Sophie Jordan's The Virgin and the Rogue, which is um, the, her aphrodisiac book. We had Sophie on to talk about this book when we did aphrodisiacs as an episode um and she uh her sister is a like makes her tincture tonic situation for cramps <laughs> Oops. and um she drinks it and it is an accidental aphrodisiac and she climbs she like goes into full on heat um and then like there is a there is like a a man like in her house like staying the night in her house and again this is really fascinating because it threads a particular needle right aphrodisiac sort of edges up onto like well is this consensual right um and sophie does a really really great job of like threading the needle it's not penetrative sex that they you know they don't they don't they don't they don't fully fully consummate but it's incredibly hot. And then there is the charming fallout, which is then they are so like physically into each other that for a while they're not sure if the aphrodisiac effects have just lingered for weeks or if they, yeah. And it's really, really fun yeah. and, and a really fun read. So that's The Virgin and the Rogue. Well, that's all I have to say about that, Sarah. Listen, when I started today, I was like, I don't have anything to talk about. So those were all off the cuff. I'm feeling really great about myself, honestly. Somehow that's all. It all works out every time. I'm Sarah McLean. I'm here with my friend, Jen Prokop. We are Faded Mates. You can find us every Wednesday at FadedMates.net or on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Faded Mates, on Instagram at Faded Mates Pod. Um, thanks again to all of our sponsors. And if you love hearing us just banter, 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 um, or you're looking for a new community of romance readers in this like late stage social media landscape, um, you can head over to our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash fatedmates and join our Patreon, which will give you access to a Discord uh, community of people who just love romance novels and want to talk about them all day all day long all right have a great one everybody